Good morning, and welcome to Mayflower Church on this beautiful morning. We're so glad that you've joined us here in person and online, and we hope that you're able to sign the Friendship Register. Ruth is not here with us this morning. She and Jeff are in California for Parents Weekend for her son, so we have the pleasure of welcoming Jonathan here with us this morning to join the team. We're so glad you're here with us. Today is Founders Sunday, where we honor those that have come before us and those that have left us throughout this year. Also this morning, we have all of our children and youth singing with us. You are truly a blessing, and you give us a gift of your song when you come. During communion today, we will be serving elements from the communion table up front. With a gloved hand, Steve and Jonathan will be distributing the bread, and then you will each take your own cup as you walk back to your seats to partake of the elements. If you are unable to come forward, you may remain in your seats, and an usher will be by to give you the elements. The sentiment of blessed to be a blessing continues to grow within the hearts and activities of Mayflower. Crumble Cookies heard of the children's message that we gave a few weeks ago, and they have generously donated their own cookies for our coffee hour after the service. Our children and youth today are wearing T-shirts that say, Blessed to be blessed, that a member of the congregation so generously donated. And today we continue this theme in our annual stewardship drive. Rachel Haddad and Worth Hages will come forward and share their hearts on what it means, blessed to be a blessing. Christmas Eve candlelight services. Midweek Wednesdays, including youth choirs, dinners, and guest speakers. Watching our children on the steps of the altar each week, hearing an enlightening children's message, and hoping our kids don't do anything too silly. Listening to Christmas Tide each Sunday, each December, and feeling the Advent season come alive. Seeing the children's choirs come down the aisle and hearing the growth in their voices year after year. I'm Rachel Haddad. And I'm Ruth Hagis, and we're both on the Stewardship Committee, and these are some of the ways we've been blessed by Mayflower. Mayflower has been a blessing to my family for the past eight years. From the moment we walked in and enjoyed the magical Christmas Eve service, I knew Mayflower was a special place. Being a new resident in Grand Rapids and not knowing anyone, I felt the godly and loving community of Mayflower, and I knew I had found my church home. Mayflower has been a beautiful bridge and connection to my father, who passed away five years ago. I leaned on Mayflower through trying times and was blessed by inspiring sermons and uplifting music each Sunday. We are also blessed to have such a thriving and accomplished music department and children's choir program. I treasure listening to Colette and John sing and the friendships and love for God they have developed through their participation in Mayflower's many activities. Like Worth, I came to Mayflower seven years ago, newly returned to Grand Rapids after living away for many years, and I immediately felt a connection to this beautiful place and its people. During my first year here, I met many other young parents in the nursery or at Cookies in the atrium. 
My son Blair joined the children's choir as a three-year-old, and we found a new community in midweeks at Mayflower. These Wednesday nights fostered faith and friendships, a love for God, not only for me, but for my two little boys, who can still be found hoarding Oreos at the dinner hour, laughing with friends during youth group, and listening earnestly as they hear stories of God's great work. Over time, these Mayflower friends have become some of our best and closest friends, and our children are friends too. My grandparents, who are 97 and 99 and are earnest about classical music, began to attend Mayflower with me a few years ago. You can often find them sitting with me a few, a few rows back on the left side of the church. Sometimes my parents join us too. Mayflower has become part of the fabric of my family. I treasure Mayflower because it teaches my family and I that faith is a journey, God is good, and Jesus saves. It invites us to share faith and music, friendships and family, and the good news of Christ. Our stories likely ring true for many of you here today. Please join us in blessing our youth programming, the Mayflower Church community, and our larger Grand Rapids and global communities by joining the stewardship campaign this season. Thank you to those who have already pledged, and thank you to the church's future pledges. We value your commitment to Mayflower. Today's music reflects both the fact that the first Sunday in November is Founders Sunday for this congregation and All Saints Sunday. So our opening hymn today, Holy, 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 is the first hymn that was sung on the first service that happened in this building. And uh, we'll come, no, For All the Saints is our closing hymn, and you'll hear it woven throughout the service as well. The choir sings a beautiful rudder anthem that has a feel of a Celtic folk song, although it is an original composition of his on a text by a 17th century poet. Um, I Just a quick reminder to people who have signed up to play instruments at our December 6th carol sing. Terry Zileman will be in the narthex at the end of the service to distribute packets. And if you're curious about what I'm talking about, go talk to him. We would love to have you be a part of that carol sing on December 6th. Um, while I have uh, the children and youth come forward for the introit, um, I just want to reiterate what Rachel and Worth mentioned, which is the fact that uh, this Christmas tide is such an integral part of our Advent season. And uh, we will be singing that again on the fourth Sunday in Advent. And um, Abby will be working with high schoolers during a youth group on Sunday evenings. There's a, there's a notice in the bulletin about that. And I just want to make sure that you see that and that we have really a wide representation of our littlest ones to our oldest ones singing this Christmas time.
Good morning. There's a lot of us today. Um, We are singing, We Are the Church, and at the very end, we're going to sing through the refrain two times, and we would love for nothing more than to have all of you join us the second time through at the end. Listen to the words of the 95th Psalm as we are called together to worship. Come, let us worship the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs and praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depth of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. 
The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel and bend the knee before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Lord, we are listening, and we raise our voices together to worship you. Welcome.
please pray with me the opening prayer. God, you are full of grace and love. Be with us today as we worship you. We come in faith and hope and ask that you are open our hearts to your love and wonder. Amen. I'd like to invite all the other children worshiping with us to come forward for the children's message.
It is so amazing to see all of you. So, today is an anniversary for our church. It was built back in 1958, a long time ago before us. And this summer, while we were cleaning the church, who here has to clean their rooms and you go through your closets and you got to get rid of stuff? I know. We all have to clean our rooms. Well, we on the church staff, we were cleaning the church. And in a back, back corner, we found these boxes. And these boxes were filled with these books. And these books are titled Mayflower Congregational Church, The First 25 Years. And what had happened is they had written this book to chronicle and tell about the first 25 years of Mayflower, but there was a misprint on one of the pages. So they made a whole nother order of these books. So we have boxes and boxes of these books downstairs, which we would like for all of you, if you're interested, to take one as you leave today. They're actually amazing. They have pictures within them of all of the activities that people did. And there are grandma and grandpas that are sitting out in the pew that are in this book as kids. So please, everyone, take one of these books as you leave. But today we have a very special friend that is going to come to children's message, Miss Ellen, and she's going to tell us about one of the very first things that happened at Mayflower Church. Hi, my name is Mrs. Johnson, and you all look wonderful. But I have the great opportunity to tell you how our church started, what happened that we were able to have a church like this, as beautiful as it is, and the land that we had to find to build our church on, and the ministers that we had to find to lead us in our church. It was a big mission, but about 60 years ago, that's a long time ago, isn't it? That's quite a long time. But it was about that long ago, and these founding members, we call them founding because they were our first people who got together, and they said, let's build a church. And they felt it was more than just a church. It was a mission, a job that God was going to give them, and Jesus would lead them in how to do it. But it was a big job, and the story of how we built it and the land that we have that it's built on, we'll talk about later. But this time, when you're here, we're going to talk about how did we find our first minister. And the story goes like this. They were all together thinking, we don't know. Who can we get? To be our first minister, very important to have the minister lead us. And a few of them said, I think I know. I think I know someone, but they don't live here in Michigan. They live over in 
Iowa. Have any of you been to Iowa, another state? Iowa is a little ways away. And so they thought, we need to go. We need to go and talk with that person. So they got together, and they went down to the Grand Rapids airport. And from the airport, they got on the plane and went to Chicago. And some of you have been to Chicago, maybe. Yes, lots of you, lots of you. And they got on the plane in Chicago, but it was a blustery, blustery, rainy day. And it was raining all around the airplane. And it was lightning all around the airplane. And it was so bad that that airplane had to turn around and come all the way back to to Chicago where they got off the airplane and said, how are we going to get there? And someone said, I think I know. There is a train that I think we can make, but we have to hurry. And so they quickly, quickly ran to where their luggage was, and they quickly moved along. And you know what they had to do? They had to lean over a counter and grab that luggage and run as quickly, and they made it. They made it to the train station just in time, and they got to Iowa, and from Iowa they got to the church where the minister was. And when the service in the church was over, they said to him, what do you think? Would you be willing to come and be our first minister at Mayflower Congregational Church? And he said, Yes, I would love to come and be your first minister. And then they had accomplished their mission, which they believed God was leading them to. How exciting that they got the opportunity to do that. And you can have the same opportunity because if you have a problem or you are thinking about Jesus, all of us here, here are ready to be a helper to you. All of our congregation, all of our ministers, all of our choir people are here to make sure you are helped in any way that we can do that. And we have some specially trained people called Stevens ministers, and they will help, and they know how to help even more. So we love that you are here, and I hope you enjoyed the story of our first minister. And I'm sure our founding members, our people who started here, are looking down and saying, I'm so grateful that Mayflower is still a loving, giving church in our community, and following Jesus the way our mission we believed we had to do. Thank you so much for listening. All right, friends, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so many years ago for people's faithfulness that have brought us to today. May we continue to be faithful and follow your will. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, friends, I'm going to dismiss all of you at the same time to go to Sunday school. And Miss Ellen is going to come down and continue the story of how Mayflower started. So if we all stand up and we all follow Mrs. Coster and Mrs. Orban and Mrs. Wiener.
Good morning. Today's scripture reading can be found from the book of Acts, chapters, uh, chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, and it can be found on page 784 in your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along. Um, again, beginning at uh, verse 6 on page 784. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. morning. One day, Charlie Brown had a great vision. He was holding his hands up to his friend Lucy, and he said, these hands may accomplish great things. These hands may do marvelous deeds. These hands may build bridges. These hands may heal the sick, hit home runs, write soul-stirring novels, why these hands may change the course of destiny. Lucy looked at his hands and said, they got jelly on them. (laughs) You know, it seems there's always somebody out there to kind of smash and throttle the great visions that we may have. Our text today that Ingrid just read, those short verses in Acts 16, talk about vision. I want to hold that before us in in just these few moments that we have. For it brings us to one of the turning points of Christianity. Paul and his companions are on what is known as the second missionary journey of Paul. There will be three, all all told. And like many biblical stories, uh, this is powered by a dream, a vision, and the courage to step out into the unknown and embrace the adventure of God's calling like those people back in 1958 that had a vision for a church in this place. But that story of, you know, vision and embracing it, it it runs throughout the whole book of Acts. In chapter 9 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, Paul turns from a tormentor and a terrorist and embraces the vision that Jesus Christ is Lord of his life. And last Sunday, Ruth led you in a study of Acts chapter 10, where Peter has this vision of these reptiles coming down from heaven and the command to kill and eat. And the word, do not call unclean what I have called clean. And he follows direction to the house of Cornelius, and the gospel will go to the Gentiles. 
Today, a vision. Paul hears the voice of a European man pleading for help. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And so from Troas, which is on the far western edge of modern-day Turkey, a place where Paul had spent some considerable time. He'd gone there three different occasions. From Troas, they set sail, and it was no ordinary boat ride. For here, Christianity crosses the borders of the Middle East and enters into Europe. In doing so, the Christian faith will change from a local religion that is viewed by the establishment as some another one of those offbeat Jewish cults into a worldwide movement that transcends national boundaries. Who knew what lay ahead when Paul and his companions bought their third-class tickets to sail across the Aegean Sea and enter the European continent? Centuries have passed since then. Empires have come and gone. Societies and cultures have been transformed. But the church still stands. And it is driven still by a vision to embrace the gospel and bring the message of life and invite all people into a family of faith. From this text, we can learn some simple and profound lessons about vision. First, get a vision. Be powered by a vision. Now notice Paul and Silas, his close companion on this journey, have twice been told no by the Spirit of God. They had an idea of where they would go next. And on two different occasions in our text today, They get the word, no, don't go there. We don't know why, nor what, but we know that Paul was sensitive to the Spirit of God, and he continues to wait. Now, I don't know about you, but I take comfort in knowing that the Apostle Paul was uncertain about the will of God on occasion. Sometimes after prayer and planning, he heard no. The road is closed. And I think most of us can identify with that. So when Paul receives this vision to Macedonia, to Europe, he shares it with a group and their frustration turns into opportunity. And it creates a unity of purpose and doors begin to open. Now, it takes some time to get past those no's. It takes a willingness to receive the unexpected. And maybe turn in a new direction. But think of the great explorers of history and the entrepreneurs and the leaders who have shaped the course of our world. It is great vision that has driven them. But that vision is also for us ordinary folks. A vision energizes, compels, and directs. A church needs to be powered by a great vision. Get a vision, and secondly, get connected. It's interesting in this text, if you read it closely. In verse 8, the writer, who is Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, says they, they did this and they did that. But in verse 10, it all changes. And now it's we, we. He himself becomes part 
of the team and journeys with Paul and Silas to the European continent. But the idea of getting connected around division is so much a part of Paul's life. He's always connecting with other believers. He is always team building. Teamwork is at the heart of what God is doing. God himself, God creates, redeems, restores, Father, Son, Spirit, the triune God, always working together in unity and harmony. I think I mentioned before, in the first ten chapters of the book of Acts, ten times we hear the expression, they were of one accord, of one heart, they were united. And I want to say, I am so honored to be part of the Team Mayflower that began those years ago and continues today. To be a part of this team for a time is a great privilege for me. To work in harmony with the Mayflower staff, the marvelous staff you have, with the council, with the care team, with other groups, It's teamwork, and it's been a great experience for me. Paul was a great team builder. To quote a contemporary, a man by the name of Tommy Lasorda, playing for yourself wins you trophies. Playing for a team wins championships. You know, and I just, you know, now that I brought up baseball, (laughs) I have to say, wow, I've been living the dream. My team won the World Series. That was great. And I was there for the best game of all. I was thinking this morning, I was talking about the history of the church. That is only the second time since this church was founded that my team won the World Series. And I'm flying high. Yeah, thank you. It's kind of like the, you know, that day that will come when the Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Get a vision and get connected and then get going. Come to us was the call. It didn't say send money or literature or stuff, but come on over and help us. And Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke, they're on the move. And they hear, no, don't go there, not there, but there. There you go. And there's risk involved, stepping into the unknown. They've never been there before. They don't know what lies ahead. If we have a vision affirmed by a team, a church says yes We need to move. The very character of vision causes action. Strategic plans are great, but they're just plans. They need to be activated. You need to move. Mother Teresa had a vision that the poor of Calcutta would die with dignity. And so she picked them up off the streets and took them in and loved them in Jesus' name. She acted on the vision. 
That's the amazing thing that God does in our life. A vision becomes a calling. Our part is to go, to get moving. Get a vision, get connected, get going, and finally keep going. Because it may not be easy at all. Paul would not be denied. This vision before him compelled him to go. He would not be pushed aside or set aside from, from fulfilling that mission. Now, he went to Europe, and the first thing we read about him is he's thrown into prison. Though Paul has, on his journey, has been temporarily blinded, he's escaped a hit squad in Lystra, stoned and left for dead, beaten and imprisoned. Why not quit? Because of the vision. This burned in his heart. And became the driving force of all that he did. Get a vision. Get connected. In unity. Get going. Moving. And keep going. Despite the obstacles. Amen. The ushers will be coming forward shortly to receive our offering. Whether you give online or use text or give physically here at the church, please know that your gifts are an act of worship. As we have been abundantly blessed, we give to bless others. May we give with extravagant generosity.
Holy God, you are the true light. And we thank you for bringing us into your light to spread radiance and joy instead of hopelessness and fear. As we approach this table of Holy Communion, let us be aware of how we are complicit in the systems of oppression and division. And let us also be aware of your unending forgiveness and grace. We praise you for this table that is open to all, regardless of where we find ourselves and whatever our past or future may be, we are invited to partake of this holy meal. We are grateful. Amen. At this table, we are called to remember and we are called to celebrate. We remember the heroes of the faith, those who have gone before us and led the way as faithful disciples. We also acknowledge the saints who walk among us today, those who work to bring reconciliation, restoration, and redemption to a broken and hurting world. Today we read the names of the saints from our congregation who have passed into the holy presence of God. We will name and ring a bell for each person, lighting a candle in memories at intervals of three. Fred Kitzler. Philip Cornelius, Jr. Gordon Bundy. Gordon Van Otteren, Annabelle Mason, Jean Boyden, Jackie Sawyer, Jeanette Artema. George Gordon. Dorothy Britcher. Dan Bidwell. Nathan French. David Cook. Lori Wood Lyons, Phil Battershaw, Fran Kistler, Ardeth Wickman, Chuck Law. Holy One, as we remember these names, may we also be aware of the preciousness of our own lives. 
May we not take one minute for granted. May we serve you in gratitude and joy for this feast before us is a blessing. The elements before us, they are but common elements, yet they are transformed through the gift of your Spirit. And so with all of us here and with those in the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in this unending hymn. pray. Send your Holy Spirit on these gifts and on each of us today. Bless your people everywhere, the saints in every time and place, and help us to know your love not only in this moment, but in every moment of our lives. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And now will you all join as we pray the words of Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
and said, This is my body, broken for you. And in the same manner, after supper, Jesus took a cup and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat and drink, do so in remembrance of me. And now the ushers will dismiss you by rows, and we ask you to come forward and receive the elements. Jonathan and I will hand you the bread representing the body of Christ. Please take a cup from the tray on the table, then return them to your seats and partake of them at a time that you choose. If you're unable or you choose not to come forward, an usher will provide the elements to you where you are sitting. Come to the table of the Lord.
body of Christ. Body of Christ. The body of Christ. Body of Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Christ.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Gracious and holy mystery, beyond our imagination, beyond the cosmos itself, we give you thanks that you have called us to this table and refreshed us with your feast. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and let this Eucharistic celebration
us go our way, knowing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, that we stand in the line of the faithful. Take courage as you face each new challenge and comfort when you pick yourself up from a fall. In whatever good you choose to do, may God grant you clear vision. Go in hope and follow hope with thanksgiving. The blessing of our magnificent God, whom the saints have trusted, Creator, Redeemer, and Counselor, be with you now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Yeah, thank you.